Right, gang? You like to watch new stuff, right? I mean, who doesn't? I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama, a new season of The Kardashians starring the Kardashians, of course, and Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Here's something you might not know about wireless. Sometimes what you see isn't what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 per month, taxes and fees included. Switch now at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 237, episode 3 of Dirt Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness, and it is Wednesday, May 18th, 2022, which of course means National No Dirty Dishes Day. None. Exactly. Throw your dishes out. It's also National HIV Vaccine Awareness Day, and it's also National Visit Your Relatives Day. Sponsored by check in moms everywhere. (laughs) Go visit your your relatives. Yeah, HIV vaccination day is. So, are we close on that? The HIV vaccine. Do we just to throw a a conversation that requires loads of research uh, that we didn't discuss before? I mean, I know that obviously that that the treatments are are pretty have improved vastly since uh, you know the eighties. But yes, this is this is meant to bring awareness around you know looking for a safe and accessible vaccine. Yeah, yeah, we need it. Yeah. All right. Well, my name is Jack O'Brien, aka This Country Makes Me Lose My Mind. And now my baby is hungry and only cries. Well, there's something you can do. 
You just give your baby Mountain Dew. <laughs> that is courtesy of Christy Yamaguchi, man. Hit it with the, um, you know, one of the many memes that suggests Baja Blast flavored or just Baja Blast as an alternative. There, there was the Baja Blast baby food. Right. I, th- I don't get it. I don't get what people think is funny about this. The kids love Baja Blast. Uh, it's one of our <laughs> national treasures. Gives them an extra little pep in their step. Mm-hmm. And then just a horrifying crash afterwards. But What's the secret to all those gold medal counts at the Olympics? The kids <laughs> exactly. are hitting that do early. Well, I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray! <clears throat> okay. Okay, hold on, hold on. Susan Uh-oh. Collins, I'm headed to your sidewalk, and I hope you're ready. Yeah, I'm going down to Susan's with some chalk, son. This senator ain't seen a brown-skinned man since her grandparents bought one. Okay. Woo! Look, I just, that came to me in the shower. I was like, shotgun, chalk, son. Yeah, okay, I'm headed down to Susan's with some chalk, son. Uh, and saying, hey, Susie, please, you know, maybe vote to uh, codify Roe. But hey, you know, it's, 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 on, Terror- it's on your That's turn. terrorism. You know? Right yeah, on, exactly. Right in that <laughs> shit with chalk. Luckily, the police said did not seem like an overt threat. Please so, oh, and good. thank you. It's yeah. not enough to just say please. If you don't say please and thank you, then it's a threat. The the police will be called. Absolutely. Well, Miles, that was wonderful. I, I anytime there's a backing track, it feels like a a wrestling entrance song. Like oh sure sure like, like oh I'm my in the God. ring and I'm like oh what what's happening what's <laughs> happening here he's coming down from the rafters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we're thrilled to be joined in our third seat by a very uh-huh. talented writer, comedian, and film producer, yeah. co-founder of the inclusion-focused film and media incubator, Big Vision, Empty Wallet. It's Danny Faith Leonard! Danny! Hello. Welcome. I wish I had a, a really cool prepared intro. <laughs> okay. I mean, look, I would say... Next time. You know, what's your favorite karaoke song? And then try and find a spin on those lyrics that make it about oh. you. I feel like that's always the easiest way for somebody to improv a song. But no pressure. I, you don't no have to do man. it right now. Yeah. Right. No, but for I, next time. Just one, I'm, two, three. I'll spare you. I also, I need a new, <laughs> I need a new karaoke song. Uh-oh. But my former business partner walked down the aisle at her wedding to Careless Whisper. And I just thought that that was brilliant. Wow. That's a, that's a meme right there. Wait, but what do you have a favorite karaoke song? I'm not going to make you sing, but it's just in general, just a, it's always nice to know where people are at with their karaoke uh, picks. I tend to go 90s songs that a crowd would like to sing really well. It's like not that they're necessarily my favorite songs. And then when I get really drunk, I always seem to request the theme from Full House. Yeah. People love it. <laughs> I mean, that's another 90s <laughs> banger that the crowd Holy is going to appreciate. Shit. I yeah, love but that. it has this verse. It has this verse in the middle that we don't know. Right. Kind of like <laughs> the the theme from Fresh Prince has the same thing. It has a verse that wasn't in the oh, right. really? that wasn't in yeah, that wasn't in the the TV version of it. Is it about so, the uh about the cab ride that's stinky? What what happens in the middle verse of the Fresh Prince one? <laughs> oh, I don't remember. Mm. But yeah, it definitely Prince. prolongs his trip. Yeah. Yeah. There's a uh, transphobic verse in Cheers, I think, in the oh, Cheers yeah. theme song. Absolutely. Yeah, those those hidden verses where they were like, maybe, maybe not. Maybe here. And, yeah, and they're like, let's just focus on the fact that he came to Bel Air. A little problematic. I don't know why that's necessary. <laughs> just say that the cab smelled weird. Yeah. <laughs> the whole verse is on, it on go home, home smell you later or yo homes smell you later? Yo home. I think it's yo home smell you later. All right. 
That's what it, I think my friend's dad thought it was go home, smell you later. And he like loved to make fun of him for that. And I was like, I mean, it kind of works. It's yeah, not that fine. bad. He is saying, but I mean, whatever video. happened to predictability? Thank you. Know? you. Yeah. Milkman, the paperboard. Even that. That that, that lyric. a little conservative and regressive, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Whatever happened to the, the ability, ability, the weak man, the paper boy, no contraception. You're like, wait, what <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> what wait, are what? these lyrics? How did I get delivered here? Yeah, wow, what a song, what a song, what a okay. song. I like your altruism though, as a karaoke like selector, where you're like, let me get a torch song going to turn up the crowd, and mm. then if there's a little treat for me. Is going to be what's the what's the full name? Everywhere you look, the Full House song. I think that's how that ends. Anyways, Danny, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of the things we're talking about. There's a big water disaster looming over California, and yeah, I don't know. I was reading about it, and I was like, oh, you need like hundreds of different politicians to agree on this i don't know it was just one of those stories that felt like it it hit a little different now than it would have even a few years ago it feels like with a lot of politicians being fully unmoored from reality so uh we'll talk about that we'll talk about uh the mom who went on the jesse waters show is that his name jesse waters yeah on fox and talked about the evils of critical race theory when it comes to her biracial 14 year old son we're going to talk about Megan McCain, my favorite author. All of that, plenty more. But first, Danny, we do like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history? Well, you are in luck because yes. I was doing a lot of research for different projects this week. I feel like going into any writer or creator or comedian search history is just dangerous. Mm-hmm. And um, I... I've been doing research for a project that I don't want to say that much about because it's in the very beginning stages and it's something I'm writing with two other people. But I was looking up Nazis on Long Island. Mm. I grew up on Long Island. There's a town that I've been obsessed with for a while or obsessed with learning more about. I'm not Mm. actually obsessed with this place, (laughs) but it's called Yapank. And until 2017, the town was basically run by Nazis. And in 2017, 20- wow. Yeah, 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 five years ago. <laughs> and in, in 2017, there was a federal lawsuit where they finally weren't allowed to only sell homes to German Americans anymore. But there, you know, in the, in the 1930s, there was a summer camp there where they had a a special train that ran straight from Penn Station to the summer camp every weekend. And it was a training ground for Hitler Youth. And it was called Camp Siegfried. And it's this crazy place that no one seems to know exists, except for the the people (laughs) who were there who definitely know it exists. And you know, I I was reading all of these articles. And of course, when they interviewed people in the town, they were like, well, there's nothing to see here. But but it's oh, that, super fascinating. You know, that's just Adolf Hitler Street. It was Adolf Hitler Street. There's yeah, I Adolf just saw an Hitler article Street. with that. I'm like, what? Wait, yeah. for real? Yeah. Yes. yeah. 
the main street was called Adolf Hitler Street. There was Goebbels Street. There was Goering Street. Not until 2017. I think they changed that earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. They're like, Holy okay. shit. And the script is so, like, aggressively Third Reich on these street signs. You're like, wow. And, like, it's like a log cabin behind it on Adolf Hitler Street. I actually don't know. I can't visually place, just based on you saying that, the Third Reich font. What, let, let me look it up now. Like, here, I'll, here, let me just put the link into the chat. Helvetica? Is it Helvetica? (laughs) (laughs) Helvetica. It's just that very, like, stylized, like, scripted handwriting, like, highly serifed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There it is. You know, like, when you see stuff written in that, like, for me as a person of color, I'm like, "Mm, maybe not this place. They're like, not just Germany, old Germany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mother, motherland Germany. So how did you? It's, it it, it also, you, you will find that script at, like, Epcot, Germany, right? Right, like right, in right. That, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it's Bavarian script, probably, yeah, yeah. is what it's called, like in Microsoft Word or whatever. How yeah. did you first hear about Yapank, like growing up in Long Island? I, I did definitely didn't hear about it growing up. Oh, wow. Oh, so it's like, but, it's that much of a thing where it's like you only heard tell maybe later in life. Like it was very. Yeah. A few wow. years ago when I was doing research for something else, I found it. But I, I'm surprised I didn't find out about it growing up because we used to find out about all of these weird places and go to drive to them and and look around because there's like what else is there to do yeah and uh (laughs) when i lived in kentucky there was a place called hell house and it was just a house (laughs) that was supposedly like people had been possessed by the devil there and we would like go drive by it and i would get scared and i was driving I was of driving age, and I was like, ooh, I would drive a little faster by it. Oh, shit. Do you ever go to Gravity Hill? I don't know what that is. Oh, man. You don't know about Gravity Hill? The Magnetic Hill? Oh, uh, like I mean, that sounds like some shit I would still go to. Like, I would Oh, still yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, the vortex here is crazy, man. <laughs> it makes it sort of like this, like, it's an optical illusion where it looks like this downhill slope is actually slightly uphill. So when you put it in neutral, you're like, whoa! <laughs> we're going up and you're like it's an optical illusion asshole but i'm putting this on my list of things to do in la <laughs> oh yeah gravity hill you know gravity hill, shout out to somar <laughs> shout out to the deeper parts of the valley so I, how like this is one of those things that i don't know i i assumed like coming out of school that i knew most of the cool stuff like not not that this is cool but it definitely makes the world like, oh, damn, they're like still Nazis out there. Like, how how is this not a a movie? How is this not like a cover story of every like, do you have any sense of like why this wasn't covered more? I think there I know that in New York anyway, I think people kind of like to pretend that that New York's always been really liberal and all of this stuff was never there. Mm. So I have a feeling that that's it. Mm-hmm. But I grew, I didn't grow up near this town. This town was in Suffolk County, so further out on Long Island. I grew up really close to Queens in Nassau County. And even in Nassau County, there was this place. It's like it's a wedding venue now called the New Hyde Park Inn. And I, I went to Sweet 16s there. And I think, no, my prom wasn't there. It was at a different place. But But I went to Sweet 16s there and other like school events. And that was the Nazi headquarters of Nassau County. And what so that's fuck? so insane to me. Right. And uh, but but this but, you know, this stuff has always been there. There was a big Nazi rally in Madison Square Garden in the 30s. And like it was always a part of 
of the the history of of New York. It's just, you know, mm. like the things that you'd never learn about. Yeah. I I've been thinking a little bit more about fascism in America for no particular reason <laughs> having to do with the news or anything, but yeah, people forget that like they, it could have gone either way there for for a while in the in the 30s, the the business plot was dicey times and now we've belatedly decided what if we did go and what if we did decide to join up with with the Nazis? Yeah. So, uh what is something you think is overrated? So this is a little bit of a complicated answer. I so I love our culture's recent fascination with cults and cons and all of the the documentaries and and documentary series on on Netflix and the other platforms that are focused on on these criminals, but I think the documentary series are overrated and way too long and I wish that they would all just be movies. Mm. Yeah. Oh like Dramatic feature films, you mean? Or no, even if oh, it's a like documentary, doc, just fe- right, yeah, just doc. condense it into ninety minutes and tell us the story. I feel like it doesn't need to be a series, and they they've gotten too too long. And I watched a really good one that that's you know probably ninety minutes, and it it like really helped me realize how long the other ones are. I watched Our Father, which is about this doctor, this fertility doctor oh, yeah. who swapped out his sperm. And fathered, I I won't say the number because then it's kind of a spoiler, but he fathered all of these children and he even swapped out the sperm of like his best friend and wow. and, and used his instead. And uh, it's like, it's insane. In the beginning, I was watching it and it, I was like, like, is this so bad? Like, how is this going to get interesting? And then it, it like got totally crazy. And the craziest part about it is that it, this all took place in Indiana. And in the end, he wasn't really convicted of a crime. Wow. <laughs> and wow. him and his best friend are still tight to this yeah. day. They're <laughs> water under the bridge. Yeah. You know? Wow. They, yeah. They, I was watching that other documentary about that guy in the UK who was like convincing all those people that they were like on the run from like MI, like from MI5 because they were caught up in shit. Do you, do you know that documentary? Hmm. I forget no. what it's called. It's it's another one where like the premise is really interesting, but it's like, yo, this is it's like fucking four episodes. I feel like you could have told me the whole thing in like two hours, probably. But yeah, I do. I do find myself being like, OK, you found that this is a way to stretch people's viewing time a lot because I think they realize, oh, like we've got like a, you know, lost type cliffhanger ending sort of pattern we can get people into. Where it's like, oh, and you got to you got to watch the next one now to learn who the detective is that's going to look into it because that's a whole episode. Mm. And uh, yeah, it gets a little tiring. for sure. Yeah, I, I love this overrated. I think that's right. I think that the default should be docuseries and then like if necessary like the staircase probably i I think earned its it's a long running time even though i only watched like three of them and then got bored but it (laughs) it does seem like it's very twisty turny and they they were learning things as it went but for the most part yeah don't don't stretch it and albums too like albums don't need to be as long as they are And, (laughs) and movies Make movies 45 yeah. minutes tops. Come on. All right. Oh, wow, 45. People got, I, people got naps to take, you know? Right. Uh, we went from a two-hour guy take <laughs> to now 45 minutes for sure. Uh, what's something you think is underrated? I think 
this is like this sound uh, this is gonna make me sound kind of old-fashioned because this is something that my mom this advice that my mom would have given to me I feel like it's uh, going someplace by yourself is underrated Mm. I think people should get more comfortable going to things like comedy shows by themselves and just going to the things that you want to go to and not waiting for your friends to want to go with you oh okay I got you I think we should we should get more comfortable doing that just right and and you know so that people people feel like like that's something that they can do. I did a show in LA a couple of weeks ago and I met someone after the show who came by herself. And even in my head, I was like, oh, you came by yourself? And then <laughs> right. I caught myself doing it. And I'm like, like "Everything good? no, that's totally normal. Right. You should <laughs> right. be able to go to something by yourself because you wanted to go to it, even if no one else wanted to go. You should take yourself on a date. And um, and this is also advice that my therapist gave me last week. So <laughs> <laughs> perfect. <laughs> figured I would impart it on other people. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, that's that's my favorite thing to do on the show is like, let me tell you what my therapist said last week <laughs> and I'm going to give you for y'all for free. OK, but yeah, that is like I definitely find myself in a place where I'm like, OK, I want to go to this thing. Who's going to go with me? And people are like I can't make it or whatever. I'm not interested. And then I'm like, well, I guess I'm not going. Right. V- versus just being like, well, then I guess I'm going at it alone. And I do that from time to time. But I, I typically like ask first to see if there's a coalition of people willing to go first. I'm a, I'm a, I go into movie, a movie by myself is one of my favorite things to do in the world to the point that I don't really ask people anymore. I just go by myself. <laughs> <laughs> and then and I like, stay in the theater for the next one. It used to really depress me to watch, see people eating by themselves at a restaurant for yeah, some reason. Till I did it. Yeah. But then like, I, <laughs> I, like, I love doing that shit. So I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I, I really li- like, I like this underrated because. I, I've definitely enjoy like if I'm in a new city, being by myself, walking by myself in a new place, like it's always fun to share that experience with somebody. But there's also something that feels really like an adventure when you just you're like, OK, new city, I'm going out with my backpack on. I got my AirPods in, I'm listening to some music, cruise around and like show me what you got. Like that's mm-hmm. one of my favorite activities. I walked across the Brooklyn Bridge like three times when I was in New York, just on foot because like whatever, I got time. I'll yeah. do this. Like, let's just have a good time. And I really, really enjoyed myself and even had a meal by myself where the host was like, uh, <laughs> their maitre d' was like, oh, uh, we don't have any openings for like a table of two. I was like, it's just me. It's just and they're me. like, I could oh. eat right here with you. Yeah. So like, oh, well, I guess you could, there's that bar seat open. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. That's fine. Right. Look right. at my phone and, and read a little bit. You're good. Yeah. They, and like with with the judgments of and I'm talking to you, Danny, like with the judgments being like, oh, you came by yourself. Oh, no. But like I do that shit. I, I'll, I'll, but then that's my favorite thing in the world to do. So I think let's just <laughs> yeah. let people do it and not be sad for them unless they tell you to be sad for them. What do you if you eat alone? What do you do? What do you do? You sit in silence. Do you read your phone? Do you watch something or do you just try and be like, I'm going to fucking act like. I'm just going to be so present with this meal right now. I I try to be present as long as I can and then look at my phone. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Like a that, normal person. Right. Because in my mind, I'm like, people are going to think I'm weird if I'm just eating here with no phone out by myself. Like, they, they think I'm preparing for something weird or something like that. No. I pretend yeah, I'm I on a very loud, very funny converse- phone call <laughs> with uh, a celebrity. <laughs> 
And I just keep name dropping the celebrity that I'm talking to. And uh, uh, usually that impresses people. Oh, my God. Colin Farrell, you are so funny. <laughs> you are too much, Colin Farrell. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and talk about some news. You like to watch new stuff, right, Zygang? I know I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. And don't miss the new season of The Kardashians, uh, starring The Kardashians, of course, and Season 5 promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island, and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. And yeah, there's a story in the New Yorker a couple weeks back about like California's looming water disaster. Basically, that is drought based. It is drought based, Miles. Oh, oh, you read it for too. another water disaster that maybe <laughs> it, wasn't drought based. It's it's drought based. It's also um, 
So as as the drought happens, you know, some of the land the like the delta, the freshwater riverbanks and, you know, uh, land that is like wetland is now sinking. And so that puts it below sea level. And there are levees, levees, uh, Eugene levees in place <laughs> to prevent to separate the seawater out. But the people who are like experts on this have been saying for about a decade now that like it's going to take one earthquake to, you know, for those to fail. And then all of our freshwater supply is inundated with salt water. You can't drink it. You have a major disaster. Mm. I feel like the the reason I wanted to talk about this mostly is because it's just a different experience to read a story like this where the solution is some form of like there was a similar story. um, I think it was like 15, 10 years ago called The Really Big One that I made everybody read. That was all about like, you know, everybody talks about San Andreas being the fault that where the big one's going to come from. But there's this. Cascadia subduction zone up along like Northern California, Oregon, uh, Washington state that is going to like goes off every hundred years and has, you know, unleashed some of the biggest earthquakes that like the world has ever seen. It like sent a tsunami across the Pacific and it reached Japan and it was called the ghost tsunami for a long time. And because they didn't know where it came from, but turns out it came from this earthquake all the way in Northern California. So the, like the article is all about people have been aware of this for about 10 years. Nobody's really doing anything. And that was frustrating to read then, but like reading about this looming disaster. And I still don't think anybody's like done what they need to do to prepare for that. The really big one, but reading about this one is like an extra layer of urgent and scary because there's so many people now that don't seem to exist in reality like they're just you know like you can't oh the talk right to, you mean, yeah you mean like in terms of the political yeah uh, the people political, we have in place who need to come to some consensus to and, figure out a problem yeah. that will that will affect every single person in the state not just in on a partisan level yeah they're they're right. focused on like stopping Disney from grooming children and like overturning the 2020 election and like they sure as shit aren't going to compromise with like the you know the the people who they think stole the election it just it's a it's a fucking mess but like it it does just it's the the article keeps being like each problem makes the other problem worse and they're talking specifically about how like the land being drier makes the land sink, which leads to it being below sea level, like just these like kind of cascading things, problems that like build into other problems. But like it, they they don't really mention the politics of it all. But that's that's another thing. Like Robert Evans and the Cool Zone Media folks talk about this a lot on uh, there. It could happen here. They call it the crumbles where it's like, you know, small major like horrifying disasters happen and they like build on each other because of climate change but you know climate change is also tied into you know the rise of fascism and extremism and i don't know it's i just feel like we we need to be acknowledging like all the interconnected ways we, we're in danger you know right and there's and there's so many and i mean like I, this is something i remember hearing from like 
a friend's like spooky conspiracy theorist dad, like when I was in high school and it's like, you know, the Delta only needs like a real specific earthquake and it's going to mess up the whole state. And I was like, okay, sure. And then <laughs> as I like read more about it and then like when I got into like more interested in like state politics and I was like asking around, I was like, oh, right. That, okay, this is very possible. I mean, I guess on one hand, it's a, you know, significantly blue state. So they're probably on a state level, probably easy to find some consensus. But when you get down to like the individual water districts that are involved in California, those everyone's got a different agenda there. And I think, yeah, that yeah. kind of makes it a little bit alarming, too, when we're also talking about how much the agriculture in the state is using the water as well. But meanwhile, we're like, hey, man, don't maybe wash your clothes like every other week or something like what? Right. You fucking tell the almond people to cut the fuck back on using water. Like, you know, and I think we have like you're saying, there's all these sort of skewed priorities when it comes to the, the water management and what we think is the way out that. Yeah, we have a very simple thing that we need to tackle first. It's so hard to get people to care about climate change when it feels like it's something that's so intangible. But drinking water is something that's so tangible that you would think that it would, uh, you know, it would be an easier thing to bring people together on. But I feel like there were people who had that theory a few years ago when it looked like specific wines were in danger. Like mm -hmm. it was like, oh, like Republican ladies care about white wine, too. And, uh, <laughs> you know, all of these grapes aren't growing in France anymore because of climate change. So clearly this is going to be the thing that uh, that people are going to come together around and then they're going to see that this is a thing. But there never really seems to be that moment where people care about climate change for more than five minutes. And like, right. I, I hope that maybe this could be a thing. Right. That, yeah. that could at least bring some people together, you know, and and I I like I, I read the article and I like that it's not I mean, it's not like any of us are questioning climate change at this point. And these articles aren't being written to prove that climate change exists. It's like that's the given. And, you know, this is the impact and we have to fix this right now. Right. But it's all very scary because it. I feel like people are, are on such a different wavelength with it. And even for those of us who understand that it exists and what the impacts could be, I feel like there are so many other things to focus on that right. it's like I think about climate change real hard for like a week and then suddenly I'm off to thinking about abortion. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, it's hard yeah. to keep my attention to. Yeah. The model in my mind, like you were you were referencing, like maybe this will wake us up. And like that had been sort of my hope, like for the past, you know, 20 years was like, well, you know, it's a problem. But as it gets worse, like humanity ha has a history of like coming together to solve big existential threats like this. Um, not this big and existential, but like close enough. And now I'm like, that's that's why I wanted to bring in the politics, because I don't feel like like if this crisis happens and if like suddenly all fret like California is out of fresh water and like, you know, the many hundreds of thousands or millions of people, you know, suffer or die from that. Like, I don't foresee that being a thing where everyone who doesn't believe in climate change suddenly believes in climate change. I feel like that becomes 
just a like fertile ground for more conspiracy theories like that that feels like where where we are right now i don't think it i don't think we're doomed to that it just feels like that is the place that we are right now with social media being as prevalent and unregulated and just companies and capitalism being as unregulated as it as it is so that's yeah yeah, it's it's a scary situation yeah that and i think you know the history of our country is we don't solve problems until like it's absolutely destroyed a ton of people first we can we'll never get out ahead of anything it's like we'll wait till millions of people die and then then it's proven that we have to do something about it and I mean, the one benefit is like you do see like in states that have been hit, like that are dealing with climate change, like Republicans are slowly being like, fuck, yeah, it's <laughs> I'm old enough to remember this wasn't normal, you know, right. like in like, for example, like North Carolina, like so, like if, like last year, they found like some bipartisan consensus on more renewables and things like that, because even Republicans came to the table to talk about climate change, maybe not in the most authentic way, but clearly it was enough that their voter, their their constituents are like, no, you know, because there was a clip last week from the Outer Banks where a house just fucking went into the washed into the sea, you know, yeah. that was like a, almost a four hundred thousand dollar home. Just fucking the sea just ate that shit and just said, this is mine now. Mm. And I think for people who see that, they're like, man, I remember when the, the, the sea level wasn't that high up when I was a kid. And I think a lot of those things work on people. But it's only happening like very specific places where people are having to confront that shit head on. And I think because of the fact that all of those things aren't necessarily equally distributed experientially, it's easy for many people to stay like, you know, like, you know, so many Republicans, I think like less than 20 percent are like climate change isn't a big yeah. deal. There's a there, it ends with an interview or like sort of uh, mentions this guy, Michael George, uh, whose title is Delta Water Master. So okay. first of all, we, people need to just be given cool, cool titles like that and maybe motivate <laughs> them to solve this shit. But his background is like as a water lawyer, water company CEO, public utility executive, investment banker, college guest lecturer like that. That was weirdly and depressingly the moment of the article. There's also like this beautiful, long description of how San Francisco Bay, when, uh, you know, white settlers first got there, the water was so clear, you could see like shoals of fish swimming at the bottom of the bay. And so many salmon migrated through its waterways that the sound kept people awake at night. And then they found gold and invented a water cannon for hydraulic mining that could kill a person from 200 feet away. So, <laughs> but like there, there's all this beautiful description, but the thing that made me most hopeful is that they somehow got a water company CEO to like, pitch in and like granted like he might still have connections to that and it might be fucked but he is like working on help like that i feel like that is what we need is to attract the sort of people who go into investment banking and fucking being water company ceos into like finding smart ways to actually like regulate and control capitalism and like bring you know like steer it in a direction that isn't going to right. fucking end our entire civilization. Hey, use that hedge fund brain to find an efficient way to solve our water crisis. Yeah. Uh, and like, you know, figure out how you're going to balance the relationship between like big agriculture and the other, you know, stakeholders that are the biggest users of water. And, and maybe there'll be enough for people to wash their bodies. 
Yeah, maybe. <laughs> As long as my golf course looks good, though, that's what that's my. Main I mean, that's thing. the thing. Like, yeah. When are we just gonna start just cutting off the water lines over there? We're like, you don't even let us use these fucking green spaces, and they get that shit like at a at a bargain. They get the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that is how we'll take down golf courses is by cutting off their water supply. <laughs> and like, we we need to do that shit soon, and then turn them into in. public parks. Thank yeah, you. 100%. Like, if we had a, t- <laughs> if every golf course in the city was a public park, oh my God. Los Angeles would be like one of the great cities in the world. And instead, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> instead, it's a, it's a brittle fucking pumice stone yeah. with nice buildings on it. All right, let's talk about Jesse Waters. The Jesse Waters Show. Must watch TV if you just want to feel your life just bled out of you, Mm -hmm. your your will to live. Just a true piece of shit. I remember, like, (laughs) the first time I saw this motherfucker on TV, he was, like, Bill O'Reilly's, like, intern. And I was just like, oh, this motherfucker is going to be a problem, like, right away. He just so confident and so dumb. And so, so uh, yeah, sure of his racist, horrifying worldview. But he weighed in on critical race theory as he is wont to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. First off, got it again for everyone knows this, but the disclaimer that critical race theory is not being taught anywhere outside of a college lecture hall. Mm-hmm. So let's put that on the side. Now, if you're just mad that teachers are talking about just general inequality and you just want to call that this other thing, man, fine. Then, you know, if, to do your thing. Um, but in this Jesse Waters clip uh, that was just going around on Twitter, it's one of the more like pathetic appearances I've seen from like a concerned parent, quote unquote, who's like, I'm here to help, you know, further this narrative that you want to keep broadcasting on your television, which is critical race theory is ruining my child. And in this clip, there's a concerned mother from Virginia of a biracial child who she, the mother is white, the father is black, and she is in a state of utter shock because her 14-year-old son is starting to form an identity. At 14, I don't know what's going on here, Jesse. Is it this critical race theory stuff or is it puberty? I don't know, but I'm going to say critical race theory. And let's just listen in because it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> just, just hold on to your butts. Your, your son is, uh, the father's black, you're white, and he'd never mentioned issues with race before, you're saying? What exactly changed? Right. We didn't have issues before. He's in eighth grade. They introduced this critical um, huh? program, oh, and okay. now he's having racial issues. That what, was not there issues. Before. what kind of racial issues is he having? Well, he's seen himself just as a black man. He's seen things that don't go his way as racism. Um, and he's finding safety in numbers now. So when you're saying he gets a bad grade at school, he blames racism or a girl rejects yes. him on a date. Racism. Are those yes. the kind of things yes. you're seeing? She's smiling. Yes. I ask him to clean the house. Racism. Yes. <laughs> you're kidding, right? Are you serious? <laughs> No, I'm serious. They have totally changed his perspective. They have put him in a box. Mm. Mm. So yes. your 14 year old son is talking back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Weird. again, 
that that's this, never happened before. That's weird that a teenage son would talk back to their wow. parent. To your mom who told you to clean your room. I've never done. I, I remember when my mother said that as a half black biracial child. I didn't say that. I didn't say it was racism. Right. I just said, I don't want to do it, mom. And I'd run out the house. But we didn't have the same vocabulary to use, I guess, as these right. kids do. But the and program, man, you pre- are racist. So he's right when you <laughs> when you just uh, when he says that it's racism, but not when other uh, parents ask their kids. But you are a racist piece he's, of shit. And you have some issues. Yeah. So the program that he was participating in was one that was around encouraging students to have open discussions around race race. Now, th- and this was in the like aftermath of the George Floyd murder. So they're like, we want to have, you know, brave conversations about race. So it wasn't some like kill your masters type shit. They were just saying, hey, we want these young people. We want to facilitate, you know, healthy conversations so these young people can begin to have a reckoning with our country's culture of discrimination. Pretty easy stuff. Like it's not, again, not on the extreme that this woman is sort of making out to be. And naturally, like everything, we see the backlash of it and time and again. And so a couple of things, you know, he's this kid is 14. So the little baby that you were used to, like, you know, is absolutely in the period of their life where these questions are being asked. Right. You begin to explore who you are, what that means to you, what your own identity is, what race means to you. You know, when she I think she may consider her son, I think, half white and she looks at it that way. But he is also half black. And I'd imagine he isn't completely white passing. So he like, even though she may see her son as this, the rest of the world does not. That's just that's just the facts. And there's no there's no amount of proper speaking I could do or polo shirt wearing I could do to suddenly look different to somebody who has a bigoted perspective on race. That's just unfortunately the stakes of how, you know, it it, it means to be not white in this country. So there's just kind of this whole thing where I'm like, do you even I'm curious if this mom clearly is probably very disconnected from the idea that what it means to raise a black child in in Virginia even and what all of that means yeah. just in America in general and that's when I'm like Jesus we just watched you come out here and use your son as like a fucking pawn in an optics win for bigots like what the fuck was that that's where I'm like really it's disheartening for me to see that about like wow you really have no idea what your son is about to go through or is going through right because you're like I don't she referenced like he was never having racial issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, even if your classmates aren't bigoted, you know, outwardly, there's a, the fact of the matter is he's existing in a country that is sending a lot of signals to him. And he's probably beginning to see when you say he's finding comfort in numbers or something like that. What the fuck does that mean that he's hanging out with other black kids? Is that wrong? Yeah, that that was weird. And also like the insistence that you know a a time where people are wrestling with just systemic and like murderous like violent racism in the country that his response to that would be first of all like incorrect for him to like have feelings about that but also that it would be like the school's fault and not the fault of like what what is actually happening the reality like that's the it just assumes that there's no such thing as racism so like they must be getting this idea from school because that's the only place they could have learned it is a very blinded perspective yeah and he's 14 so it's not like he's first discovering his identity now 
Right. I, it, this has been a process and he, he probably just never felt comfortable speaking with her about it because of the environment that she created. Like if you think that people start discovering who they are and forming an identity at 14, that's not the case either. I don't, I feel like whatever was going on at school maybe finally made him comfortable to say something to his mom about it. But I also like, I don't understand how they always have these parents on roster to speak on these shows right. where, <laughs> I mean, well, I'm sure they yeah. find them on Facebook now, but they've always had disgruntled parents just ready to go on all of these shows about whatever the topic might be. But right. the, it's so crazy to me. It's typically like these law firms will look for aggrieved parents so they can represent them in a lawsuit. And that's kind of how they end up to that next level where the Fox producers end up saying, oh, like, OK, like, you know, like, hey, man, we got this mom. She's suing the state of Virginia for critical race theory because like her, her son, who is black, is now realizing he's black. So that's that's pretty <laughs> that's all kinds of fucked up. Right. That's because I'm, that, I'm sure I'm pretty sure that was sort of like the segue or the introduction to this piece is that she's suing, you know, on behalf of her son or her her own rights as a parent. But mm. yeah, the. It, it, it's it's really disheartening to see a parent like that who you she even said she's like he sees himself as a black man mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i'm sorry what can we can we unpack that a little bit like from your perspective miss what does that mean yeah. and what is wrong with he is he not and in your mind are you telling him he is not is that why you're upset because you've been conditioning him to deny that he's black and that he's living in some post-racial like utopia that actually doesn't exist i'm that's what i'm really curious about like it really feels like my son was not black before this right and there's also like a patron like there are parts where she's like grinning and laughing and i like it, like you said it's a parent who is having a difficult time getting their mind around the fact that it's that's not your like eight-year-old child anymore and they are like growing up but like the just that is so fucking toxic and yeah or and i don't know if maybe she's completely scared of the idea that oh my god that's right my son is black and he's living in america in 2022 yeah and subconsciously that's making her uncomfortable and it's coming out this way i don't know that might be a overly charitable you know analysis of where she's coming from but you know it's clear that she was not thinking about this at all until her son was you know probably articulating things where he was like, I'm identifying, I can, I see my blackness and I see how people like me are treated in this country. It hurts me because yeah. that is me. I am part of this group of people. And yeah, now I'm realizing how much, how much things I maybe ignored up until 14 that now I'm realizing were actually pretty fucked up. But you always told me, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But it gets to a point where you actually you can't ignore that anymore. And I think you credit to him on his journey, figuring out who he is and, you know, the, the, the culture that he's part of. But wow, what a fucking shitty mom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You already think your parents are the worst when you're 14, even when they're not. But when you do have the <laughs> right. worst mom in America, oh my God. Like, that's got that's got to be tough. Like and, and um, this poor kid is probably getting flamed. Right. They're like, yo, was that your mom on Twitter? I yeah. saw that Jesse Waters clip. Wow. And he's like, bro, I told you. That's <laughs> why. Like, I'm just, uh, it's, it's hard growing up in that house with that mom or whatever. But 
that's I can't I can't imagine that her appearance there did any good for him either. You know, on, no. on TV, like the fact is already you're already you're already suing the state or the school district. So already, like I remember being in school and you knew when somebody's parent was like doing some wild shit, trying to like cause a problem at the school or they're like, yo, so-and-so's mom is suing the school because the seesaw was like too wobbly and said that's why his little sister like hurt her wrist. And everyone's like, Ugh. like that, <laughs> people just like that shit gets out in the ecosystem of yeah. a schoolyard. Yeah. So I can only imagine at this point you're on Fox News, too, that that's probably not creating more friends for him. No, in my school, that was always about sex ed. Like we mm. always knew the the students who weren't allowed to take sex ed. They had to go to like study class. hall or something <laughs> right. during. Right. And in, I grew up with like basically abstinence only sex ed anyway. But still, Same. and that was because of parents complaining. Jesus. But even so, we always knew about the parents who were coming up to school and yelling about something. And it was o- almost always that. Right. And uh, yeah, it definitely it didn't make it easier for those students, which I no. haven't really thought that much about. But they probably were so they were probably embarrassed that they weren't allowed to go to sex ed. I just didn't really think about it. at the I time. Just, I, no, I went to a Lutheran K through eight school. And I remember in sex ed, like there were those kids who like absolutely couldn't be there for the outdated slideshow from the 60s where like the the like female reproductive system was like triangles and circles and lines, like mm-hmm. not even close to looking medically accurate. Like I like we've had this like fucked up vague version of sex ed where like the parts were named, but I couldn't I couldn't accurately tell you what anything looked like. Because right. it was like, and then there's a uterus. And also, guys, it doesn't matter because y'all shouldn't be having sex anyway. Yeah, we and watched like, Philadelphia. Oh, my Did you? God. To learn that if you have sex, you'll get AIDS. Oh, <laughs> my <laughs> God. What? Yeah, yeah. And I had, I ended up writing a show about this. And I host the show mostly in New York. But now I've done it in L.A. too. Uh, called adult sex ed and it's because i had this sex ed in school and then my mom was the opposite she was actually a sex ed teacher not mine but she was and and we had this really open home and so i had this totally mis- mixed experience but i feel like the way that these parents are being interviewed on tv now about critical race theory it reminds me a lot of in the 80s and 90s they would have parents being interviewed about sex ed and how that's going to ruin children's minds right not that they're not doing that today too but it's like the generational thing it's like well back then they weren't taught about sex so then when it comes up they're like oh but then parents now are like man we're fine with sex like we're so online porn brained like that 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 chast that being chased idea isn't necessarily like as pervasive but now it's a generation of people who have never had a reckoning with racial relations Right. And so that's the thing. It's like, well, I've never talked about that. And that shit makes me so fucking scared. Much like how my parents who never talked about sex or had satisfying sex thought it was the end of the world if we learned about sex. Mm. That it's like now it's, this is the next cycle, which is like, well, we didn't talk about race. Oh, I don't know if this is good because it makes me uncomfortable. But yeah, it's it's wild to hear because like I we were constantly just told just don't have sex. I grew up with this idea that like, yeah, if if you ever had unprotected sex. You're going to get sick and have a child immediately. Like yeah. there's no, there's no fucking middle ground. And, and I like through my life, that. I was like, yeah. I was like scared shitless. The the movie scene progression is unprotected sex, woman holds stomach, and then woman throws up, and that's those are the three steps to prove that <laughs> okay, there there's a pregnancy happening here. 
Right. Yeah. I will I will say I I grew up in the wild early nineties and sex had really radicalized me. I'll say really turned me into a freak. Those medical diagrams. I was on to fallopian tube pics. <laughs> Those medical diagrams are about as sexy as like the diarrhea diagram and Pepto commercials. Like they just, right. yeah, they're just like the human body, like in. Right. And outline. I feel like the parents should have been like, like for me, like at the time, a bunch of teenagers, like kids that they're like most sexually curious or just like, they're like, even looking at that, like, this is so confusing to me. And I don't think it's doing what you think it's going to cause some perversion right. in us. We're like looking again at drawings from the fucking early 60s that you're putting up on a stupid <laughs> slide projector and the and like like the colors are like like not even human it's like the uterus is blue and like the <laughs> ovaries are green and you're like man this looks like a bunch of geometry it looks like a mondrian painting let alone anything i can have some like functional knowledge of anything yeah dare work though we do we can say dare work oh what was it cuz you know how they're they're out in the streets again dare yeah, that's right. I, so they, I was out. I was out the other day and they're like, hey, 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 you want to hear about dare? I was like, actually, I do. What's yeah. going on? Like, why are y'all out here? Because it's like, I thought the drug shit was a wrap. Like, <laughs> y'all lost. Remember, y'all lost the drug war and all that. And they're like, yeah, I mean, it's about that, too. But it's also a lot about mental health now. And we're like, oh, interesting. OK, mm. well, I don't know what other subversive messaging you might have. But that's that was sort of what they were pivoting to. Like, Look, we get it. We completely lost on the drug front. But now, well, at least maybe we can be a force for good for still run by the police. I have no idea. At that point, I was just like, what's the? What are y'all pivoting to? They said mental health. And I'm like, thank you. I have to. Were they on my way? Sh were they like high school students who were? No, they look like now? they look like normal people who are like signature gathering, like, you know, like mid 20s, early 20s type people. Buzz, <laughs> buzz haircut, chewing gum backwards a hat on uh, <laughs> upside, flipped upside riding down a, visor. riding a motorcycle <laughs> alright let's take a quick break we'll be right back you like to watch new stuff right Zygang? I know I do well go to Hulu and see what's new cause Hulu has new stuff all the time like Vanderpump Villa the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. And don't miss the new season of The Kardashians, uh, starring The Kardashians, of course. And season five promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If 
you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. And yeah, so I did want to get to, you know, my favorite American author, I'll say, because, you know, I like I like Shakespeare, too. But uh, my favorite American wordsmith is probably Mm -hmm. Megan McCain Mm -hmm. and the new memoir that she dropped. It's called Bad Republican. Watch out. And it sold uh, 244 copies uh, in its first week out. And that. You know, it, it's probably like people might have realized they could spend the same amount of money on literally any other book by any other human being. <laughs> but in cha- like just a, a little look in inside the cover and chapter nine on and off campus, she uses a contentious 2012 speaking gig at liberal Reed College as the canary in the coal mine for the looming threat of cancel culture. Oh, she came out and was like, look. This book was released seven months ago exclusively on Audible. People listened to it. It has strong reviews, 4.4 stars, over a thousand ratings. That's true. Uh, Those are numbers. That's an app. Those are numbers that you can, you know, futz with. And like, if you want to look at like actual appetite for a book, this is a legit book being sold by major retailers like Barnes and Noble. It is, you know, it was a fairly by like internal metric successful audiobook so like they probably aren't like hiding it away in the back of the Barnes and Noble and exactly 244 people across America were were convinced to buy it so there's also the fact that uh she posted a photo on I think it was Instagram with her holding a child and in behind John McCain's grave and her book is propped up like on his grave. So I mean, like, Oh, like just the picture is so hard to look at. Yeah. Like, cause it's so, it, 
it's like you know like when people are like are like are get guest on like uh, cable news shows and like they're clearly also wrote a book because it's like somehow the one thing facing outwardly on their bookshelf right mm-hmm. by like next to their head and you're like okay we get it you just wrote a fucking book and there it is like this is like that except you're like desecrating your father's gravesite with it with your fucking ego so we wanted to look back at her literary career uh, her first work was literally called My Dad, John McCain. It was a children's book all about the life of John McCain, such as the time he bombed villages in Vietnam. Uh, I'm sorry, that's in the book? Yep. He'd just dropped his bombs on the target when a missile blew the right wing off his plane. The plane flew out of control and crashed. Oh, my God. I'm just going to skip forward a little bit in the writing. He didn't get the right kind of medical care for his broken bones, and the food was really bad. Once he Yuck. found a chicken foot in his lunch. What the fuck? I mean, like, chicken feet is a food that people eat. They're pretty yummy. Yeah. Is this, what the is this bed, bedtime reading? Yeah, it looks like the bedtime books that, like, I read to my kids. Except, yeah. like, not not as many uh, planes plummeting from the sky <laughs> with flame and smoke trailing behind them. I mean, yeah. Do you, I mean, when do you want to ch- introduce your child, Jack, with some bedtime reading where you say the line, he didn't get the right kind of medical care for his broken bones? <laughs> <laughs> huh? She's writing <laughs> it in, like, a childlike way that is, but also racism, you know? He found a chicken foot in his lunch. The food was really yucky. The fact that, like, that was a detail she threw in is, like, I don't, you know, I'm pretty sure he was not treated great. But the fact that that's what she came up with makes it sound like he's just very spoiled. And a tourist in Vietnam who's like, ugh, yuck. What is this? They eat that? We don't even sell those in the store, the grocery stores in America. Wow. I thought we just grind them up and eat them in hot dogs. (laughs) <laughs> there's like something interesting too right about like there's so much nepot like nepotism is just like at oh the heart God. of like everything she does and even john mccain to a certain extent but like with because he was an admiral's son like in your the thing she was talking about being the you know the canary in the coal mine for cancel culture she's talking about how quote after describing how angry students accused her of uh nepotism and mocked her for being ignorant about tax policy she laments the rosy rosy days of civil-minded debates and that theme, like it's actually like she touches on her father's nepotism in the even the book, because after the thing about the chicken foot in his lunch, it said, quote, but then my dad got a chance. Most prisoners didn't. Since he was an admiral's son, the Vietnamese who had captured him said they would let him go home. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess you're being honest, too. Right. <laughs> like, and it's true because he was an admiral's son. He was afforded a, something that the other prisoners of war weren't. Yeah, because I'm they had his daughter. Food. You're reading this book right now. And yes, again, my dad, John McCain. Her first book was like a six-figure like bidding war. Oh, six figures. Okay. I, I just want to... So it says, the, from this article from the time, John McCain's 24-year-old daughter, Megan, has a book deal! Exclamation point. They're excited. Sources say Hyperion has prevailed over at least three other publishers in an auction that began earlier this week following a round of meetings during which the in-your-face young conservative and the literary agent she shares with her father, mm. Sterling Lord Literistic, President Flip Brophy, discussed a number <laughs> of possible approaches to the book with editors around town. All right, Flip. Uh, 
So Sterling Lord Literistic is the label or the agency. And then Flip Brophy. Hell yeah. So the in that book, the like, you know, they were like, We gotta give him fucking something. You're so boring. Do you have any like crimes you committed? And so she divulged this this one that when I I forget which campaign it was. It was one of her dad's presidential campaigns, primaries, uh, where he was going against Giuliani. She was out in the field stealing campaign signs off of people's lawns. Never thought anyone would enforce this, nor did I expect we'd get caught. But just as we had pulled over and I had showed a shoved a ton of Romney signs, so it was twenty. 12, I guess. 12, maybe, yeah. Yeah, t- Romney signs into our trunk. Another car pulled up and blocked us. A super dorky guy in a suit leaped out of his car. He was pissed as hell. See, that is that is a sentence that you don't read in most books. He was pissed as hell. What <laughs> campaign are you with? He yelled, Giuliani, we said. He pulled out a notepad, proceeded to take Smart. down our license number. This is when I started freaking out. McCain daughter arrested was the headline that I saw in my head. Uh, getting arrested on the w- day of the New Hampshire primary. Oh, man, I imagine the look on my mom's face. If only we could get away. Um, then she, like, yells at the guy to move his car. He was such a jerk. And when he wouldn't move his car, my heart started to race. And I was afraid for a minute that I might do something even worse than stealing a bunch of Romney signs. Whoa. Uh, but anyone who was lame enough to pull over and harass people on election day for stealing signs was probably lame enough to follow up and bring some New Hampshire state police. And then she blames it on, she like gives a phone number. She gives the guy a fake phone number, which is like one of her dad's aides. And then is like, hey, don't be mad at me. But I like sort of gave your phone number to somebody when I was caught stealing yard signs because I'm like so incompetent. Yeah. Wow. So good. What a fun time. Yeah. What if I get arrested for stealing lawn signs? Wow, the stakes are so high, Megan. Yeah, so I think she high. like said she found the one the one campaign like campaign intern who also had blonde hair and was just like that we'll be able to pass it off on her and like literally says that in the book. First wow. of all, I'm surprised that only one campaign intern had blonde hair. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that sounds in the Republican shocking. primary, really? Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, well, it make it makes me happy that my dad never did anything spectacular. Right. <laughs> because I I have I think because I work in film I I'm surrounded by a lot of nepotism, but I have I have friends who have famous parents and it affects them in so many ways and some of them handle it well and some of them don't and you know there's. It, it creates this interesting, you know, conundrum with some people of like, what's the, you know, how can you, without being given something unfairly, how could you carry on a legacy? Like, it's it's something that I'm glad that I never have to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And just naming, just reading books. My dad is this person. <laughs> the book. What? Yeah. <laughs> like. You couldn't like that's oh, like man. such a hardcore distillation of a book about nepotism where you just go, My dad is this guy, the book. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Just such a like naked psychological profile of like somebody who 
has never like really done shit, gets famous for who their parent is, and then is like so insecure about that, that when people are like, you don't have any insight into the thing you are here to talk about. She's like, cancel culture. Like, no, no, no. We're like talking. We, we just think you are policy understanding is very lacking you're trying to cancel me because of because i'm conservative yeah yeah it's a tough it's tough road she was given that first book deal when she was 24 but who has anything to say when they're 24 anyway yeah i mean like i can't imagine what my 24 year old book would have been about the section the one interesting section feels to me like a college essay where you're like, um, what else? What else? Well, there was that one time where I faced adversity because I was terrible at doing a thing. And um, it's I like a draft that gets that your counselor's like, no, 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 no. One time my sense of white privilege almost got me in trouble. <laughs> so that was kind of hair raising. Um, what else? Like this other thing, which I think is maybe the only useful thing that was in that book was her talking about living in sketchy hotels on the road quote for instance after six months on the road whenever shannon and heather and i checked into a cheap hotel where the campaign was staying we just assumed that there would be pubic hair on the toilet seat or on the side of the bathtub we had a technique for dealing with it we used a blow dryer to blow the hairs off if the electrical cord was long enough genius god thank you so much thank you so much no one like see you now where is that information in your new book (laughs) that also is a terrible solution to that because you're just blowing it elsewhere blowing them around (laughs) you're just blowing it around you're more likely to like get a fucking pubic hair on your lip or something like no you just get a handful of toilet paper and pick it up and then throw that move them towards the bathtub and run the Run the shower and let the water do the the job if you're, you know, so inclined. But, hey, we had a technique for that. I haven't I haven't been following it that closely, but I know that there I know that Steve Schmidt wrote that really long Twitter thread recently about uh, Meghan McCain being kicked off the campaign and and all of that. Oh, I didn't know that. But yeah, but like this is someone who. Many people have found to be insufferable for a long time. Yeah. I only follow her literary career. I don't actually follow <laughs> any other aspect of her. So, right. And I think she, didn't she call him a pedophile, basically? Like in response, I think she clapped back in a very odd way. And we're like, oh, we're doing that? It's advanced internet. Only Elon Musk and Meghan McCain are at that level. Right. Oof. I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, Steve Schmidt is another one of those people who's like, remember when I was a Republican? But look, I don't like Trump, though. So let's forget anything else I may have said prior to that and just say I'm one of the good ones now because I don't like Trump. But then every now and then I will show my big GOP butt on TV like it's, uh, you know, that I haven't left the party like that. Well, Danny, such a pleasure having you. Uh, Where can people find you, follow you, all that good stuff? On the socials, I am Danny F. Leonard, which reads Danny Flennard. I know that that's that sounds kind of silly. And uh, and that's the best way to find me. And um, hopefully I will have uh, some new comedy shows being announced soon. The show I mentioned earlier, Adult Sex Ed, is the one that I'm doing the most frequently. And then I have a film that I produced that came out recently called Coast, which is on demand now. So you could find it on iTunes and Amazon and and uh, Voodoo, Google, all those places. Hell yeah. Is it about roller coasters? Is it about the sea? No. 
Oh, that makes me wishes about roller coasters. Uh, it was filmed on the central California coast, but it's also a euphemism for kind of coasting through life. And it's a mm. it's a, a coming of age story uh, that takes place in a mostly immigrant farming community in California. And uh, it's about a 16 year old girl who whose life is upended when a uh, traveling rock band gets stuck in her town. And she has to decide if she should stay or if she should go. And uh, it has a really killer soundtrack and it's super fun. So oh, that sounds amazing. People should definitely check it out. Nice. Awesome. Is there a tweet or some other work of social media that you've been enjoying? I'm a really big fan of people who made some kind of a pivot during the pandemic and found something else that they're really good at and uh, aren't necessarily doing what they did before. And there's this woman who founded a YouTube channel and uh, where she works out and does workouts for senior citizens. And it's called Yes to Next, Y-E-S, the number two and next. And it encourages fitness and joy at any age. And uh, so I received an email about this and um I went on the YouTube channel and I'm not going to do any of these senior citizen workouts, but I might watch all of them because they're so adorable. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my that's nice. my uh, piece of media that I'm really like liking that, that YouTube channel. Reach. Yeah. Miles, where can people find you? What's a tweet you've been enjoying? Well, find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray. Also, the basketball podcast, Miles and Jack got mad boosties. True, uh, check do. that out. we got a new episode coming out Thursday. It's going to be wonderful. Uh, and also 420 Day Fiance. If you're a fan of 90 Day Fiance, check out that pod. I do as well. A uh, tweet I like. Uh, first one is from Taddy, Ma Taddy Mason at no underscore goblins. Uh, just tweeted, people who claim they don't poop in public. First of all, you're lying. Second of all, how? Look, I don't you, I can't explain how we do what we do, but our bodies just don't they just don't enter that mode in public. It's like a governance chip on a car. Like some cars know when you're on a racetrack and now it says, OK, you can use all of the horsepower in the engine. For me, my body says, man, if you ain't on home court, we're not playing. And then that's as that's you're approaching the front door, does it just like start to break down and you're like, oh, boy, oh, oh no. Mm. Well, look, we don't have to talk about that part, but let's just say <laughs> you're spot on. Yeah. And then another thing, the another knows. thing, the body knows. <laughs> another tweet I like is from Rachel at nurse underscore Ratch uh, tweeted McRib and in chemical and in parentheticals, my chemical romance is back. <laughs> <laughs> two, two great things. The McRib, McRib is my the, return. the return of the McRib, the return of my chemical romance. Yeah. Two things to celebrate. You can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien and also on Miles and Jack. I'm at Boosties. Mm -hmm. Some tweets I've been enjoying. Noah at Noah Do Not Care tweeted MFSB wearing Dior but not Deodorant. <laughs> <laughs> Al Wobotka tweeted men sure love it. Men sure love yelling, let's go at literally anything that goes the slightest bit positively. <laughs> We do. Because we only have one mode of expressing positive yeah. feelings, and it's only in an athletic context. Let's so go. it has to map to anything. Hell yeah. Dude, what? The food got here early? Let's go. <laughs> uh, and then Kenny at evilbeast382941 tweeted, I love saying I don't bite to people because Loki, I be biting people. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. Footnotes. We link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as a song that we think you might enjoy. Miles, what song do we think people might enjoy? Okay. This is a track from an artist, uh, Molly Lewis, who's like kind of big in LA. She's from Australia originally, but she's, man, the, the tracks she make are like, they sound like super like retro stuff, like a, you know, like almost feels like something like Stan Getz would be on or just like this kind of, uh, I, I, it's very retro sounding and it's done in such an authentic way that when I first heard it, I was like, when, what artist is this from the 60s? This is from now. Uh, and you know, her, her tracks have featured like on like in Atlanta and other things like that. So this is like kind of, you know, very, very interesting artist. Uh, so check this out. It's a very haunting, but like sultry song. It's called Satin Curtains. Uh, and it's all instrumental with like her doing like this spooky sort of humming falsetto thing. It's, it's really cool. Uh, it's good texture music in the background. It's not too lyric intensive. So enjoy that. Satin Curtains by Molly Lewis. Sultry. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's like a movie review of like Ghostbusters 2. Yeah. Why was I thinking of Ghostbusters? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. Ghostbusters. Exactly. Anyways, our brains are both melted and broken. Okay. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That's going to do it for us this morning. We're back this afternoon, though, to tell you what is trending. And we will yep. talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. Zeit gang, you like to watch new stuff, right? I mean, who doesn't? I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. like. Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring the Kardashians, of course, and Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Here's something you might not know about wireless. Sometimes what you see isn't what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 per month, taxes and fees included. Switch now at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. 2024 schedule schedule release. 